Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey everyone, welcome to the ninth episode of the Fantasy Hipsters Podcast. You're listening to your guy, Matt Franchise. Right across from me, my buddy, Matt Harmon. What's going on, buddy? Not much, man. It's been a, been a busy time lately. A lot, of, a lot is going on, I have to say. Hmm. How was your week? Week was good. Well, uh, you know, we had Easter. Yep. Um, which, of course, uh, if you're watching the show, which, by the way, you can watch the show on uh the Fantasy Hipsters channel on YouTube, you That's can right. see this magnificent trophy in the background here, uh, because I am the official Marquette University, which I did not attend, uh, the, their LA group out here, mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I'm the official Mario Kart tournament champion. Well, you stole the trophy from them, huh? Feels pretty great, right? Did you earn the trophy, or did you steal the trophy? I gotta say, it was, it was so a little background here for the listeners. Um, we, uh, every year get together with this group of Alex Galhar, my, my roommate and our colleague at NFL.com. Uh, every year his group of friends gets together and has this, uh, Mario Kart tournament on Easter. Cause we don't have families out here because we're all transplants. And, right, uh, right. I've been, you know, kind of indoctrinated to the group a little bit. And the last two years I've been a part of the tournament. Last year it came in second. Ooh. Um, and this year, I took first in dramatic fashion. Let me nice. just tell you, it was it was a nail biter at the end. Me and uh, Morgan, the the other, the second place finisher, had to go to uh, like a sudden death one race takes all on Whoa. Toad's Turnpike. Oh and man! And she was Toad, and my boy Bowser and I brought that thing home. That sounds intense. It was intense. I gotta say, it was definitely a highlight of of the week and probably of my entire life. So, so, so take that for what you want. That's awesome. That's right. So you get that trophy for the entire year now? I get that trophy for the entire year. Wow. Frankly, I'm probably just not going to attend next year and not going to give it back. Oh, savage. Exactly. <laughs> How are things with you? Good, man. I went to a Dodgers game on Easter Sunday. It was a nice, beautiful day for a baseball game. Had good seats. Mm. Dodgers lost, but it was my first game of the season, so I'm glad baseball's back. Uh, and... Just yesterday, Tuesday, I went to a museum here in downtown L.A. called The Broad, um, and they have some cool paintings. They have some, uh, some. They have this exhibit called the Infinity Room going on, and you basically have to like get on a waiting list, and like it's super hard. Not hard. You just have to kind of wait around to get into it, and you go in, and it's just this really small room, and it's just all the walls are mirrors. And you know how, like, if you're in a bathroom with a mirror on two sides and you just, like, see yourself forever and ever? Yeah. That's basically the gist of it. And there's, like, these lights hanging. And it's a super small room, but it feels big. And wherever you look, you see yourself going on for infinity. And 
It was really, they only let you in there for 45 seconds at a time. So you get in there, you like get your selfie and then you're, you're done. So if you're like a real vain person, you're just constantly looking at yourself. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Right. It was cool. It was a cool experience. So yeah, I love sick. museums, seeing some art, spending some time downtown. It was a, it's been a good week. Pretty cool, man. Well, uh, before we get into the day's show, and we've got a great show today. We're going to be talking about perfect pairing, or what, what's, what do we say we're going to? Per- perfect prospect pairings. Great. I'm going to trip over that probably 30 times in this episode, but we're going to pair NFL draft prospects with kind of our perfect dream landing spots, whether that is uh, for fantasy or for just real life uh, success, right. where we want to see them succeed, whatever. So we'll uh, we'll dig into that. But before we do, we want to tell you about the sponsor of today's show. It's Duchamp's Grooming, vintage-inspired handmade grooming products for the modern-day man. Uh, these guys are buddies. They're uh, now officially – I say we were officially pals. Yeah, we're pals. Uh, the, 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 uh, the head of operations there, Matt, texted uh, – another Matt – texted <laughs> us uh, pictures of him grilling Brussels sprouts on Easter. He that was, did. That he was did. pretty sick. I, I personally appreciated that. Uh, so our so our pals there they're all, uh, they've got they've got everything you could possibly need if you're uh, into into grooming your personal uh, your personal appearance they've got hair wax they've got a beard balm beard oil if if you are bearded uh, if not they've also got a lip balm they've got some hair serum that I'm really interested to uh, to check out um, pretty much anything you want they've they've got it there yeah and we got a they're they're offering a promo code right now uh, for fifteen percent off so you sign into their shop enter promo code hipsters pod that's all one word hipsters pod and you get 15 percent off your order right so go check them out buy some stuff tell them the fantasy hipsters sent you with yep. that promo code and yep. make sure you follow them on instagram twitter right. uh you can like them on facebook so go to dochampsgrooming.co yep and uh, they'll hook you up yep all right cool so we've got just some minor news to touch on nfl wise before we get into uh our perfect prospect pairings yep uh so first on the list hbo announces the hard knocks team for this year it's the uh tampa bay buccaneers what are your thoughts on this i'm more excited than last year's rams team because that was yes bore i don't even think i finished the the season because it was so boring i'm excited because the Bucks have guys like Jameis Winston and Mike Evans, and there's a storyline with Doug Martin now, and they're, they might be looking to draft another top-tier running back in the draft, so that's going to get interesting. I think there's a lot of good personalities, a lot of good... Uh, I think the personalities they have there will make for a good reality type TV show, unlike the Rams did last year. So I'm looking forward to it. No doubt, it'll be better than the Rams. I agree with you that I think it's an exciting group, and and it's it's funny you mentioned the Doug Martin storyline because you know one kind of sneaky part of Hard Knocks is obviously it's entertaining. It's really cool to see like the behind the scenes, even though the like the, I in my opinion it's gotten a little bit like repetitive. I mean, yeah, you know it's a to training camp like you really got to have personalities dictated and hopefully the bucks do but you know for for us that like cover the nfl it will be a good kind of hint especially for like fantasy like what do they think of doug martin like what kind of what kind of tenor do they take around him on the show i mean that will be a pretty pretty big indicator like it, it can be something that we learn things from too in addition to it being a really entertaining series yep i agree oh and we can't forget deshaun jackson's there now too right djax will be That'll there be co- another cool guy to to be watching yeah because i feel like i don't really know the guys on the bucks you know mike yeah, evans yeah. the only time we really heard anything from him was i believe last year he mm-hmm. he did it with like one of the national anthem 
protest things or, or whatever. And uh, that's really – other than that, like you don't hear much from, from Evans. But Winston will be fun to see behind the scenes. Good, um, good leader type of guy in the locker room, so that'll be cool. Yeah, anytime you see a clip of Winston, it seems to be pretty entertaining. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it'll be it'll be an interesting one for sure. Um, I'm excited. Like I said, definitely better than the, uh, the Rams from last year. <laughs> that was bad. Um, next on our news list, uh, the Patriots ex- making more running back news. I feel like we talk about Patriots running backs and every single week that we do yep. the pod. Yep. Uh, the Patriots extended James White through 2020, and they also made an offer to restricted free agent Bills running back Mike Gillisley. And <laughs> the, the Patriots love stealing backup running backs from other teams and just like turning them into stars. It's, right. cra- it's crazy. But, okay, so hypothetically, let's say the Bills don't match the offer. Yeah. Um, be, and they have, they, the Patriots would then send a fifth because Gillsley's a restricted free agent. Right. They would then, and they tendered him at the original round level, which was the fifth round for Mike Gillsley. So they'd have to send a fifth rounder to the Bills. Um, Gillisley scored a lot of touchdowns last year. Uh, he is somebody that definitely has looked impressive in, in spots. Let's just say hypothetically Mike's, Mike Gillisley goes to the Patriots. What do you think about this backfield now? Because... <sighs> It's a mess, dude. It's a, the New England backfield is always a mess. Yep. And like last year with with Blunt there, it was kind of an outlier because we knew he was going to at least get all the early down and goal line work, and we were just kind of waiting for Deion Lewis to get back. And then James White kind of emerged like later in the season as more of a pass catching guy and had a big Super Bowl game. Uh, but it's tough to say right now until we know after the draft and stuff like what what we think like are they signing Gillisley to replace Blunt's role Mm -hmm. because if so it's going to be very valuable to fantasy owners right but we're not probably not going to know that until training camp gets underway and we start seeing how roles are going and you know beat reporters start talking about stuff yeah no doubt and I mean Garrett Blunt man 18 touchdowns and you know can't get a sniff on the market is not going to take the Patriots offer it sounds like and it doesn't sound like they're interested in bumping that up like yeah. who knows what's going to happen to him but it just kind of goes to show you what people think about running backs nowadays that they're very replaceable right Gillisley though would become interesting I think on the Pats but you know who knows Rex Burkhead though remember when he was a thing remember when that was going to be a thing that happened like he could easily just be you know I, I'm still excited about Rex Burkhead yeah. in uh in New England but I certainly don't think anything's written in pen with this backfield I do wonder if they bring in Gillisley or bring back Blunt, you know, one or the other, or even draft a running back in the first, let's say, you know, four or five rounds. Mm-hmm. Does Deion Lewis's time with this team come to an end? That he's <sighs> the he's the other at this point, he's the other shoe to drop. Like right. if they bring in a player like Gillsley, I wonder if if Lewis is on the roster bubble because Yeah. We kinda hinted at this a couple episodes ago too. I think we were talking about Blunt and I was saying, Oh yeah, well Deion Lewis is still there and you mentioned his role kind of diminished as the season ended last year, and James White kind of took over that role. They put more confidence in him. Right. He never, so maybe we've seen kind of, as you call it, the drumbeat. Yeah, he never really got going in, yeah. at the end of the season. And in the playoffs, he had the one big game, I want to say it was against Houston, mm-hmm. um, but he fumbled a few times. Yeah. Uh, he got injured in the Super Bowl. didn't seem like it was super serious or anything. I think Deion Lewis is super talented. He was somebody that I was on before he broke out there with the Patriots. Um, but at this point, it does, again, seem like they have the least amount of confidence in him. And, and it's kind of hard to blame him at this point. Yeah. And it's just going to be confusing for fantasy. Like, if there's four or five viable guys there, you never know how the Patriots are going to use them week to week. 
at least with Blunt, we knew, like I said, he was going to get 15, 20 touches a game. Yeah, because they're always in positive game script. Yeah. And, and he is the perfect positive game script back in that, yeah, when they're uh, when they're leading, you're going to give him the rock, like you said, 15 to 20 times a game. And he has, like, the best touchdown odds of any player in the league. But, yeah, yeah it's a pretty big mess. Um, speaking, it's a mess. Speaking of uh, a mess, uh, Jeremy Hill. Uh, says he's in the best shape of his life. Yeah, he said something about how he's in really good shape and he wants to do better next year, and I think it's a contract year for him. But, I mean, come on, bro. Cool. You're, you're starting the best shape of your life talk in, what is it, April still? Yeah, it is still April. Can confirm. Yeah, don't start. Don't say in that until July. That's when everyone starts saying it. He's trying to get ahead of the game here. I think he's... I think he's trying to start his campaign as to be like, as as like, hey, like I'm still the feature back here. A lot of people are talking about the Bengals maybe drafting a big running back who mm-hmm. could supersede Hill. Maybe if he has another down year, they don't re-sign him after his rookie contract is up. They still got Gio Bernard back there coming off the knee injury. Uh, but I'm over Jeremy Hill. Yeah, me too. Hill said uh, specifically, he said it wasn't working in reference to his workout re- regimen. So yeah. uh, what he, what he was doing just wasn't working apparently. And he says that injuries are no excuse for his poor play. But he uh, he has been really not a positive asset for them the last two years. And quite frankly, it's hard to imagine things changing with the offensive line turmoil that the Bengals have overgone over overgone this last uh, offseason. I mean, Kevin Zeitler moved on to the Browns. Andrew Whitworth moved on to the LA Rams. Um, the two tackles that they drafted a, f- a couple of years ago in uh, in Cedric Abuehe mm-hmm. and uh, the guy from Oregon, neither one of them have really panned out at this point. So I'm not a big power back that could use space like him. No, I'm with you. And not to he, mention, I think the team won't be in positive game scripts, which again, he's another yeah. guy like Blunt needs that. Yeah. And he, he already was not efficient right to begin with so with a worse offensive line it's just not gonna it's not gonna pan out yeah absolutely all right uh one of the one other news item here that we uh wanted to get into was just that the Lynch and Raiders rumors continue to swirl I mean I don't know what there's really like anything to say about this until no. it's official yeah I feel like last week we recorded and then like later that night things started pop popping up on social media and then the next morning, Reports came out. I think uh, Mike Silver. NFL Network's Mike Silver. Yeah. NFL Network's Mike Silver said Raiders and Lynch agree to something, and then it wasn't official yet. And now we're just in this weird mode of unknown. So. Right. We're just kind of waiting, though. It sounds like if it's going to happen, it'll happen on draft weekend, where yeah. the Raiders will give a late round pick or something to the Seahawks, or maybe swap a pick uh, in like the seventh round or whatever, and uh, that will give them the rights to Marshawn Lynch. But it does sound like this thing is going to happen. Um, so get ready for it. And we will discuss that in full uh, when the time comes. Yep, but that's not now. No, it is not. <laughs> uh, before we get to our prospect, uh, perfect prospect pairings. That's right. I'm going to butcher that all that's episode. That's called alliteration. I friends. know what it's called, but I my brain doesn't know how to say it. Perfect uh, prospect pairings. Perfect prospect pairings. Before <laughs> we get to that, we want to remind you about one of the other sponsors of today's episode. It's Reality Sports Online. Um, these guys run by by far, I think, one of the the best fantasy sports platforms uh, on the internet. 
Um, they really give you the full experience of an actual NFL GM. Franchise and I both play on the platform, um, and you really dig it, right? Yeah, I'm into the customizations. There's crazy contracts you can do. It's wild. Yeah, they have an actual free agency room that really mimics the process of free agency where you, you and your league mates bid on players and, like, you know, I think both of us got into a couple of contract wards when we did it last off season, and, yep. and we'll probably be doing a draft here. You know, in the next couple of months after the actual NFL draft comes and comes and goes. Yep. Uh, so you guys really got to check out this platform. You can go do a uh, free mock draft uh, of this or a free draft of the free agency room. You can also uh, test your general manager skills for free with a 14-day free trial at realitysportsonline.com. And if you like what you see, use the promo code HIPSTERS to receive a 10% discount on your team or league today. Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com. Awesome. Great platform. Yeah, it's awesome. All right, well, let's get into uh, our perfect prospect pairing. So what we're going to do is we're going to dig into... Franchises top five running backs yep. and pair them with the team. We'll do the same with my top five wide receivers. Uh, then we'll also do the same for our combined tight end board. And then as a bonus, we'll give you six hipster favorites, three wide receivers from me, three running backs from franchise, and we will also pair them with teams. So cool. let's do running backs first, and we'll just rattle off your top five again. That was Joe Mixon, yep. Dalvin Cook, Leonard Fournette, Christian McCaffrey, and Deontay or Dante Foreman. Yep. Uh, so, why don't you get us kicked off with Joe Mixon, your top ranked running back? Who's your perfect uh, landing spot for for him? Right. So I wouldn't exactly call this a unique perspective because I've seen it a few places online, but I think it works. The Green Bay Packers would be a good fit for Joe Mixon. He's got a great three down skill set, great athleticism. He would relieve the Packers of their struggles at the running back position. They really only have. Ty Montgomery and Kristen Michael there on the roster now. Um, and I think Mixon would provide them a much-needed upgrade and a skill uh, with his skill set at the position and would add another dynamic element to what's already one of the better offenses in the NFL. You know, give Aaron Rodgers a great running back, and I think that offense will really blow up. So the reason I actually considered, uh, this is how unoriginal this take is, I also considered <laughs> giving Joe Mixon to the Green Bay Packers um, you know, of course, we have to consider his off-the-field concern, and yes. he might not slide. And I think he's going to go in probably the early to mid-second round, so I don't even know if he'd make it all the way down to Green Bay. But the reason I ended up really not giving him to the Packers uh, is is that I think they already kind of have the receiving specialist back in Ty Montgomery, a converted right. wide receiver. So I just and Mixon's best uh, ability to me is is as a receiver. He's right. great in that area. So I ended up not giving Mixon to the Packers. Uh, I decided to actually give him to the Indianapolis Colts, who I think could use a really great receiving back. And I think that, that you know they have Frank Gore, who's like a thousand years old, still kind of on. In my opinion, he's got to be on borrowed time, right? I mean, yeah. this this has it's to gotta, be, it's got to end. This soon. has to be the year that it yeah. stops, right? You, <laughs> yeah. you would think, um, but at the same time. I think that you know it won't be a ton of pressure on Mixon to start right away. He can sit behind Frank Gore. Uh, they definitely have an opening for a receiving back 
um, you know, even just really a, a top four pass catcher there with, you know, unsettled depth chart at wide receiver beyond T.Y. Hilton and Dante Moncrief. Jack Doyle entrenched kind of as the tight end, although I think Eric Swoop could give him a little bit of a run for his money. But mm-hmm. anyways, I think, you know, imagine that offense with a dynamic receiving back. We've seen Ahmad Bradshaw kind yes. of do similar things that, at different points during yes. Andrew Luck's tenure. It'd be nice to give... Luck kind of his Ezekiel Elliott to, to to his Dak Prescott, you know what I mean? So I think they could make quite a good pairing there. And also just um, along the lines of the off-the-field incident, the Colts, while they're, they get some attention because they've always, they always have good quarterbacks with Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck, they're not a big market team like one of the New York teams. I think they wouldn't get a ton of attention. They're right. certainly There's going to be backlash no matter who drafts Joe Mixon. The GM will have to answer questions. But I think I have a little bit of faith in Chris Ballard to be able to handle that. Um, and Jim Irsay, I mean really just kind of seems to shrug off any sort of uh, sort of criticism as an owner. So right. I could see him being the type of guy that might sign off on this move. Uh, you never know. But um, I like it. That makes sense for sure. It would be a fun spot to see Mix and play in. Um, but both those are good. Both those are great landing spots where he could really be kind of a finish, finishing piece to um, an offense. But yeah. let's move down to your number two running back. Uh, is Dalvin Cook out of FSU. Um, and I'll kick this one off first. Sure. I, I decided to give him to the Philadelphia Eagles. Cool. Um, it, it will be – I don't know whether Dalvin Cook is going to go in the first round or not. Um, you know, Zach Whitman, who does great work with Spark Scores, has pointed out that no running back with Dalvin Cook's athletic profile has ever has gone in the first round right. as long as he's been tracking players. So right. he And Dalvin Cook also has off-the-field concerns, um, you know, with, that he's been cited for, though never officially – um, convicted of anything uh, he, like Joe Mixon was, you know, he also has injury concerns. So could could Cook be the Eagles' second round pick? I could certainly see that. They might then pull the trigger at at the, in the first round. Who knows? But regardless, I think this this offense really needs a running back. They you know? do. I mean, clearly, that's not a hot take. No, Wendell no. Smallwood is whatever. Darren Sproles also super old, though I think Aging. he, he yeah. can be effective. Ryan Matthews, who even the hell knows. I think Ryan Matthews would get cut in this scenario if Dalvin Cook went there. But yeah. I think Cook can be an asset as a receiver. He can't definitely. Think, um, think about Doug Peterson and the Andy Reid coaching tree. Andy Reid has long been a guy that has been willing to take chances on wayward souls that Dalvin Cook might be. Um, it would get him in a place where. Peterson maybe has that maybe some of that same nurturing tendencies of uh, Andy Reid. I don't know, but regardless, it's a great fit in the in the offense. The kind of uh, scheme that their offensive line runs and everything. I think Cook would be um, a real nice finish, finishing touch of that offense as well. I like it. I'm into it. But I went with uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for Cook, and we talked about the Bucks off the top for the Hard Knocks thing. Um, you know, talked about Doug Martin a little bit. I mean, look, he's suspended for the first few games to start the year. I think we might have seen the best of Doug Martin. He's 28 years old. He's not very durable. He hasn't been consistent or efficient throughout his career. Um, now the Bucks are using Charles Sims as kind of their pass-catching back, but he's also been banged up the last two years. He's had injuries where he's missed significant time, so they can't really rely on him to stay healthy. Um, and I think they're building a monster offense there. Now they got Deshaun Jackson, like we mentioned, Mike Evans, Jameis Winston. They found a solid tight end in Cameron Braid, who emerged last year. Um, it's hard for me to imagine Doug Martin as part of their long-term plan. Uh, there's reports they want him to take a pay cut now. And I can see Cook coming in there and taking over a three-down role. He'd, he'd take over the 
the the early down stuff that Doug Martin is working on. He'd take over the change of pace stuff that Charles Sims does. Um, and I can see him coming in and making an immediate impact in that offense as a three-down player. Now, maybe it's a case where they ride Doug Martin out for this year and kind of hand Dalvin Cook the keys, um, you know, slowly. Um, or if Doug Martin gets hurt, maybe they let Dalvin Cook take over right away. But it obviously depends on where they draft Cook, how much they invest in him in the draft. But I like Dalvin Cook there in Tampa Bay. I think they have a lot of, lot of good talent in that offense, and he would just be that final piece. Yeah, it's a good call, and I, I mean, I think they definitely need a running back, um, no doubt about it. But one thing that I, de- I wanted to point out, uh, and this, com- this comes from Bleacher Report's Jason Cole, he said that teams are not impressed with the group of advisors and marketing people Cook has surrounded himself with when saying that he might that Cook might drop in the in the draft. And he said teams are worried he might not be able to distance himself from questionable people in his past. Of course, Cook played at FSU, Tampa Bay, breaking news also in Florida. Um, I, wonder if, I, I wonder if that would be a hesitancy of a team like the Buccaneers to you know, bring in Dalvin Cook into, into that situation, that environment, and keep him close to people like that. Because that is definitely something that NFL players struggle with is, you know, breaking away from people in their past you know who might not have their best interest at heart or, or whatever what have you i have no right, idea right. on this but it's just a thought yeah and these are young kids you know no doubt all right well i i see your point i like the eagles as a fit too yeah both those are good landing spots i think for cook and um you know st- right now stable franchises i think again if you're bringing in a joe mixon or a dalvin cook who has so similar off not similar but also has off the field concerns yeah i think you need to be a stable uh coaching staff stable organization both of those are certainly that right now right uh so next we're going to go down to your number three running back and this one we actually had the same team we agreed we both had leonard fournette perfect prospect pairing as the jacksonville jaguars who are the fourth overall pick in this draft there's a lot of rumors that they will indeed select leonard fournette and and with fournette sense with fournette in particular i think in my opinion his floor is the ninth pick with the Bengals. Um, and I actually have a hard time imagining he gets past Carolina based on, I was listening to a really good podcast this morning as I was walking Chuck and drinking my morning coffee mm. um, it, with uh, Eric Galco, buddy of ours from Optimum Scouting and Josh Norris on Josh Norris's Roto World podcast. And uh, Galco was just saying that the, a lot of NFL teams are just enamored with Leonard Fournette and are willing to adjust their offense to fit him because they think he's a special talent. Right. So whether you agree with that evaluation or not, I think a team like Jacksonville would be wise to take Fournette and kind of structure their offense. So what makes this fit uh, so so good for, you, for, for him, for you? I just feel like they've been lost. Jaguars have been lost at running back for the last few years. We've seen TJ Yeldon kind of come and go. I think he's run his course. He's not that good. And maybe it's it's a result of the offense he's in and the struggles of Blake Bortles kind of affecting the running back play there. Uh, but they need a guy in the backfield that they can rely on on a weekly basis, and a guy who can punch it in from the goal line and wear defenses down, really. And uh, that's what Fournette's going to do. He's big. He's physical. Um, like you were saying, though, uh, for a team to sort of shape their offense around a player, he is the kind of back where you're going to have to do that. But then there's kind of a risk you take in investing in that because, like, what if he gets hurt? Right. You know, then you've 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 changed your offense around a guy to fit a guy's skill set, and then you're you're playing with like backup backup running back. So there's some risk there. I think we we also don't know is is he a three down back? Will he be asked to catch passes? 
Um, but I think the Jaguars just they, they have good wide receivers. Blake Bortles is a question mark still. They're building up their defense, and I just think running back, like we've been saying with all these guys, is just that piece they've been missing for the last few years that could kind of mold it all together. Yeah, I think this is definitely yet another kind of finishing touch to an offense. I mean, not so much because they have questions uh, under center there in in Jacksonville, but Tom Coughlin, by all accounts, is running the show there now. I think Leonard Fournette seems like the type of power runner that Coughlin would like. Mm -hmm. rumors are he does indeed like Fournette so and like you mentioned Chris Ivory you know it didn't work out but you could see that that was the type of back they wanted to bring in last year you know Chris Ivory is over listed over 220 pounds Leonard Fournette 228 at his pro day Um, they needed a big power red zone type guy right and not only in in the red zone and inside the 10 and inside the five but I don't think they want to be a high-flying passing offense like they were in 2015 when they were putting up big fantasy numbers but right. losing a lot of games. Right. Um, I think they have a number one receiver in Allen Robinson. I think they have good twos and threes in Marquise Lee and Allen Hearns. Um, their tight end position is really the only uh, skill position where it's like other than running back. I think those are their de- and their defense is kind of set. So I don't know how I feel about taking Leonard Fournette fourth overall, but I can kind of get why the Jags are going to talk themselves into it and I do think it's a good spot Um, their offensive line needs some work as well Uh, but at the same time I I think that Fournette could really help and you mentioned his receiving skills I think he's a little bit underrated as a a receiver because LSU didn't ask him to catch a lot of passes and yeah he dropped occasionally but you know he went out and ran routes at his pro day to really hammer home the point like if you want me to be this guy yeah I can be that guy right so I like Fournette at, at, ja- at the Jacksonville Jaguars just kind of for the similar reasons that you did. I think he would make, you know, if you can't replace Blake Bortles right now and it doesn't sound like they're really ready to take that step yet, though maybe they are, who knows, make his life a little bit easier. And I think getting a sustaining ground and pound running game would be a smart way to go about it. I agree. Take a little pressure off Bortles. Cool. So let's go to your criminally underrated fourth running back. <sighs> In Christian McCaffrey. Yep. And you gave him to a team that I gave Joe Mixon to. Right, the Colts. So, and I, I and I love this. I love this fit too. Yeah, it's one that I think if, especially for fantasy, like if if Christian McCaffrey gets gets the Colts, would be a great pick, and you'd get really excited about it. I don't think I think there is a zero percent chance he actually fall at this point in the in the draft he falls that far. But tell me why well, if he did you would like it so much. These are perfect pairings. So we're you know the draft true. isn't a perfect process. So. Very true. This they, would, the draft so, can't be perfect like our podcast. Right. It, it is. It is a perfect podcast. Very true. Many people say that. So you were saying when we were talking about the Colts and Joe Mixon how the Colts need a pass catching back. Well, McCaffrey is exactly that. Uh, we know he's an electric player in space. He can make guys miss. He does incredible things when he's on the move. And Andrew Luck knows how to find guys in space, so I think that would be a good matchup. You also mentioned Ahmad Bradshaw doing things there in the in the pass-catching game a few years back. That looked like a good fit for a guy like him. He caught a lot of passes in the red zone. Um, uh, last year, 2016, there were 109 targets that went to Colts running backs. Over the last three seasons, Colts running backs have averaged 107 targets. So the volume is there. If McCaffrey sees maybe 60-70% of those 100 or so targets in a season, say he hauls in 50 or 60 reception and has upwards of maybe 190-200 carries, that's going to be huge for fantasy. That's like ideal. And, and the Colts have kind of 
pieced together their backfield the last few years with Frank Gore, who's running out of time. They got Robert Turbin. We mentioned him on Bradshaw. They had Trent Richardson there. Oof. And, you know, they've missed. They missed on late-round draft picks the last few years, like Josh Ferguson, who's a little water bug type guy. And uh, uh, I think his name was Josh Robinson, more of a power guy, but he kind of fell off the face of the earth. Uh, and I think they need to lock up one of these top-tier prospects, like a McCaffrey or like a Mixon, like you said, before the bottom falls out of this running back position there and they just have no other options. I mean, Andrew Luck and Blake Bortles, not the same thing. Right, um, right. But I think, again, it's just they need to make life easier on Andrew Luck. Yes. Uh, a lot of times it just feels like he's dropped in enemy territory and it's like, all right, shoot your way out. Um, yeah. I think they need to give him a little bit more of a sidekick and McCaffrey would be a great fit. But I gave him to a different team. Who'd you give him to? I gave him to a team that I actually think is a really good chance to draft Christian McCaffrey, and that's the Carolina Panthers with the eighth overall pick. Oh, a team you're a fan of. I'm not. It's hard to say fan. <laughs> fan is a little bit of a term. I don't know if I fit. Okay. But. Moving on. To your point, if because we are in a complicated relationship, the Carolina Panthers and I, I have to say, if they take McCaffrey at eighth overall, my heart's going to flutter a little bit. Woo. To me, McCaffrey is the best pros- the best running back prospect in this year's draft. Um, I think that he, you know, I can't remember exactly who made this comparison first. It might have been Graham Barfield, who does great work with running backs on yards created. Yeah. I think he might have mentioned the LaShawn McCoy comparison. Mm-hmm. I could be completely uh, misremembering who said it first. But nevertheless, I think that makes a lot of sense. Carolina wants to evolve their offense. They said that from the end of last season – we really have seen no indication of what that means because right. they have not added anybody to this offense. In fact, they've lost Ted Ginn. Well, they did add um, Matt Khalil at left tackle, which is okay. Yeah. Um, yep. That might not even be an upgrade. Right. But nevertheless, like I think this would be a big move to evolve the offense. Cam Newton, a lot of people will point out, has never thrown to the running back. Typically, running, back, or running quarterbacks don't get that far down into their reads before they just take off but you could make the chicken and the egg argument he's never thrown to running backs because he's never had a pass catching running back to throw to right i think like and they've tried to use Fozzie whitaker in that role a little bit but christian mccaffrey's so much better yeah than Fozzie whitaker i think he would take over as the feature back and you know i'm not totally on board with taking running backs in the top 10 but I think this is different. Christian McCaffrey would probably, at, as soon as he got to Carolina, would be the best receiver and best running back on the roster. I'm all about it. I think you'd put up huge numbers. It'd help them again involve, evolve that offense into more of a spread um, down the field passing offense than just a boring power like power run game yeah. um, based off low percentage throws. He would give Cam an, an option that could separate early in routes, and I'm all about it. I I'm like imagining seeing this in my head as you talk about it. It's, I think I think that's a really good fit. Too. It's picture perfect. And yeah. look, this just goes to show you, like early in the draft process, don't discount what seem like crazy rumors. Because shout out to uh, one of my biggest mentors in the business, Cecil Lammy from Football Guys. Mm-hmm. He was the one who reported this uh, this potential interest months ago, and everyone was like, "McCaffrey, top ten pick, whatever, ha ha ha." And this is exa- this. It seems like a real possibility. I think they. I would be kind of surprised if they don't go. If Fournette's there, I think they take him. But I think he's going to Jacksonville. And then McCaffrey, I think, is right there on the list. Wow. Interesting. Anyways. And perfect. Uh, That's a perfect prospect perfect pairing. Perfect prospect pairing. There you go. Um, I have to say it at, like, slow motion speed just to get it right. <laughs> um, all right. So let's get to your last running back here. Okay. Um, this is Dante Foreman. Yep. You, you're really a big fan of. Yeah, I've been um, talking him up all all draft season here. I just, my, my rookie uh profile just went up on dlf dynasty league football 
check uh, it out. Dot com on him yesterday. So check that out. Um, so where where's his uh, perfect prospect pairing? Uh, I put him with the Philadelphia Eagles, which is where you had Dalvin Cook going. So obviously it's no secret they need a running back. You had Dalvin Cook there because he's a uh, pass catcher and he's got you know three down three down guy. I think the Eagles need a power guy because they have Darren Sproles. Who yes he's aging, but he can still uh, be a change of pace. Wendell Smallwood is there too. He's another to me a change of pace guy. He's not like a primary back. And then we talked about Ryan Matthews. He's going to be 30 years old, I think, in October. Mm-hmm. He's never been durable. He's always banged up. He's hurt right now. He's hurt right now. Like, they can't rely on Ryan Matthews. they got to draft somebody. So I went with Foreman here. Like I said, I think they need a big power punishing back, to a guy who can salt the clock and wear down defenses. Um, the Eagles actually had the highest time of possession last season. Uh, but Ryan Matthews only had 155 carries. And Carson Wentz had 607 pass attempts, which was fifth in the NFL. So I think if they have a big power back back there, they can take some pressure off of Wentz. He can hand it off a lot more. Um, a guy, Foreman is a guy who can carry a load of 200, 250, 300 carries in a season. Um, and I really like the Eagles as a sleeper this year. And I've mentioned hmm. this to you before, and you've questioned me. Yeah, but I don't know I just, if I, I kind of like what they're doing there. I like their defense. They, they picked up Alshon Jeffrey. They picked up Torrey Smith. Wentz is working on his footwork. He's developing. He's young. He still has a little ways to go. But I kind of like what they're building here in Philadelphia. And I know that division is tough right now with mm-hmm. the Cowboys and the Giants and the Redskins all contending. But I think the Eagles are they're making a push here. They're sneaking up. Maybe it's going to be a few years down the road. But I, I kind of like them. They just need a big power back and form and fits to me there. Okay, no, I mean, I, I get it. I'm, I'm, I, I, it makes some sense. Yeah. I'm not nearly as high on Foreman as you. I think listeners of the podcast definitely know that by now. Um, though I did give him to a team in uh, the same division, and I gave him to Washington. There you go. And here's why. I think right now Rob Kelly sits atop their running back depth chart. That is one I expect to change uh, by the time the draft rolls around, though we didn't give him any of the high-profile running backs, and maybe they do. Maybe they're a team that takes Dalvin Cook. I don't know. That seems like a place where he would go and flame out real quick just because it's Washington. Um, But (laughs) anyways, you know, Rob Kelly played well last year after we doubted him on NFL Network. That's right. uh, In our our fantasy hipster segment, so cool that they people continue to listen to us. Um, You know, Rob (laughs) Kelly had 168 carries, 704 yards, six touchdowns, 4.2 4.2 yards per carry um, as uh, their, their kind of two-down thumper. Um, and right. I think Foreman would fit into that and potentially upgrade over Rob Kelly, who was an undrafted free agent last year. So the interesting thing about Rob Kelly, though, is, you know, I do a lot of work with the next-gen stats at the network. And uh, one of the ones that we tracked this year was how often a running back saw eight or more defenders in the box yeah. when uh, in their non-red zone carries. Rob Kelly was one of the lowest, seeing only 19.4% of his non-red zone carries against uh, eight defenders in the box. And I think that would be a good situation with Foreman, who ran through a lot of wide-open lanes at Texas. And Washington likes to spread the field with multiple receivers. You know, they have Jamison Crowder, Terrell Pryor, the whole gang there. They have an, an offensive line that they've definitely built up and improved for over sure. the last few years. Yeah, I think it would be a pretty good fit for Foreman to do what Foreman does uh, does well. So... He is the player I gave to uh, Washington. Cool. 
I it's so frustrating seeing Washington at like the five yard line and Kirk Cousins runs a touchdown in. Yeah. Oh my god. Well, they were a bad get, red. They get were, that out of here. They were a bad red zone offense last year a lot because Jordan Reed was you know in and out of the lineup as he's wont to do. But, yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so let's let's pick up the pace here a little bit and move sure. on to the wide receivers. Uh, and my number one wide receiver in this draft is Corey Davis, who, by the way, has is potentially so we should talk about Corey Davis too and that's in that same podcast with Eric Galco and Josh Norris they were saying that especially Galco was saying he hears that you know Corey Davis could legitimately slip to he said to give up the dream of him going in the top 16 Hmm. um you know the NFL is concerned with the lower level of competition which I think is a little overstated but they're worried about that mostly because they haven't seen Corey Davis test at all in the offseason. They haven't seen right. his athletic numbers because of an injury. So it's a big leap of faith to draft him without knowing his athletic profile. But you still gave him to a team in that top 16, as did I. What was the team that you gave Corey Davis to? Uh, I think he would go well with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, they desperately need an upgrade at wide receiver. Uh, so why not go out and get the best wide receiver in this class, in my opinion, uh, to run opposite Sammy Watkins? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean it makes, they, they have nobody there other than Watkins. And I compared Corey Davis to Sammy Watkins oh, nice. in my reception perception profile. And, you know, Watkins is in and out of the lineup with injuries. So yeah. it would be kind of an easy fit to slide him into that number one receiver role. And the Bills are apparently, you know, waffling on whether they're even going to pick up Watkins fifth year option which is pretty crazy considering what they traded up for him just a few right. years ago in that historic 2014 class but they're definitely going to look for a receiver and I could see it being Corey Davis but the team I gave him to 16th overall pick in this year's draft the Baltimore Ravens um you know Steve Smith retired this year Kamar Aiken left in free agency right now the top two receivers um are Mike Wallace and Brashad Perryman right think they could use an upgrade they um, definitely could use an upgrade there. Corey Davis to me would be the consummate number one receiver um, he also to me is a high floor prospect despite the risk that he comes with without knowing his athletic testing numbers um, I still believe he will be a good yards after catch threat in the NFL he's great in the open field and he already shows some good nuanced route running so to me he would be a guy that can come in and play that flanker position right away Mike Wallace can move around the field more of what he did in Miami than he did with Baltimore last year. And Brashad Perriman can hopefully develop into the speed threat and X receiver that they envisioned when they drafted him. So to me, Corey Davis, you know, and maybe that's a spot where he does slip to the mid first round. Um, And he could, uh, Galco was saying he could slip even later than that, you know. So, and that would be fascinating too if he slipped later and, you know, landed on a team like the Steelers or uh, the Packers, you know, then we would really be excited about Corey Davis's potential um, as a fantasy asset, especially. But, you know, I like, I really like the fit in Baltimore. I think he kind of gives, you know, Joe Flacco kind of always has that, like what Matt Williamson calls his whoopee, you know, like little blanket that he likes to hold on to. And it's been Derek Mason and Steve Smith in the past. And I think that uh, Corey Davis could become that guy too. I like it. They definitely need, both these teams definitely need wide out. So no doubt about it. Uh, so moving on to my number two wide receiver in this year's draft, John Ross. I decided to give him to the Tennessee Titans, and for a number of reasons, a number of reasons I decided to do this. First of all, again going back to that running backs facing eight or more defenders in the box. Yeah, next gen stats. Next gen stats. Demarco Murray, forty point two percent of his non red zone carries came against eight defenders in the box, and he still demolished. And he still demolished. And Derrick Henry was even more 
outrageously high. Obviously. 48.9% of his non-red zone carries came against eight or more defenders in the box. Almost half. But it makes sense. When you see a big man line up down there, you're going to stack the box. Well, that and... This isn't necessarily an indictment. So the thing with these eight or more defenders in the box stats is they always kind of need to come with context. Is right. Like a lot of times I think fans see them and it's like, oh, well, that must be teams just want to load the box because they don't trust the quarterback behind center. I don't think that's the case here. You always have to look at, and I, in this piece that I wrote about this back at NFL.com, and you can find that at NFL.com slash stats. I talked a lot about how the Titans play so much bunch formation stuff. They load the box. They load their box with multiple tight ends, a fullback. You right. Derrick Henry and DeMarco Murray in the backfield at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, so that naturally just brings defenders into the box and get charted that, or they get slotted that way by the computer because of because of that. And I think that by having a player like John Ross, it would open up the field for the running game even more. It could allow them to play multiple wide receivers more than these bunch formations. Bring some of those defenders out of the box, leave more room for Murray and Henry, while also giving Marcus Mariota really a big play threat. Because, franchise, look at their receivers right now. Yeah. Rashard Matthews is good, but he's not a speed, he's not a speed guy at all. And not even a I mean, he's a good player, but he's not a great separator. Tajay Sharp was their number two receiver and really didn't show all that much. Uh I think John Ross could play the slot for them, replacing Kendall Wright, and again would offer a vertical threat. So I love the pairing of, of Ross and the Titans. Yeah. And behind Richard Matthews and Tajay Sharp, they have Harry Douglas and Eric Weems. Gross. Oh my god. They better draft like five wideouts. Yeah, no kidding. Hey, they do have uh they do have one of my favorites from the twenty fifteen uh, draft Trey McBride. I think he's still hanging on the roster from William and Mary. Yeah, he's listed here on the yes. Our Lads site. Never give up the dream, people. <laughs> Never give up the dream. All right, I like the. It definitely makes sense for Ross to go to the Titans. I have him going to the Carolina Panthers because the Panthers have two huge wide receiver bodies in Kelvin Benjamin and Devin Funchess. What's his face, Funchess? Uh, and they need a guy to stretch the field, like you were saying with the Titans. They need that kind of guy too. Now they lost. Panthers lost Ted Ginn. He's now in New Orleans. He was a good guy. He was a good deep threat last year. We know Cam Newton can connect on a deep ball. Like, that's not an issue. And I think Ross can just kind of come in there and fill that role for the Panthers um, and open up that offense. You were saying maybe if they get a pass catching back, uh, running back back there, maybe they're not going to be such a power running type, high percentage throws type of uh, offense anymore. And I think Ross fits with that kind of evolving idea going forward and he's got otherworldly speed so he's a perfect fit for that deep threat role there in Carolina yeah I love that's one of my favorite fits in the in the draft too it was one I considered listing uh for Carolina but decided not to um because like for all the reasons you mentioned he'd be an upgrade over what they had in Ted Ginn also again somebody that can separate early in their routes because that's what Cam Newton needs right now yeah um so I like that fit too speaking of things I like my number three receiver here Chris Godwin nice the Chris Goatwin, as many people are known to call him. I know. I mean, we called, just a random tangent, we call Tyrod Taylor Ty God. I mean, Godwin has God Literally. in his name. God and win. God and win. Like, how can you go wrong? God wins. Chris Godwin. I mean. There's got to be some kind of crazy nickname for this guy. There's got to be something. Yeah. Um, but here's something. He's great. He's a great player. Um, I'm going to let you kick this off. All right. Tell me where you sent my dude, Chris Godwin. Uh, I sent him. I sent Chris Godwin to uh, the New York Jets. 
Okay, I hate that. So That's fine. I, I, it's fine. Look, I know the Jets have invested in young wide receivers in recent draft classes. We saw Robbie Anderson last year show, show some promise at the end of the season. But there's no wideouts on that roster right now that I think can fill the void that Brandon Marshall left by leaving. And not to compare Godwin to Brandon Marshall. I'm not, do, I'm not comparing Godwin to Brandon Marshall. I mean, You're shaking your head. No, I'm shaking my head because I'm picturing Chris Godwin play with the Jets. And I know. it's like getting off-target passes from Christian Hackenberg right. after, after Josh McCown gets hurt in week two. I get it. I just looked at the wide receiving core, and I, I had that tweet a couple weeks right. ago that I got flamed for. We talked about it in episode whatever where franchise got roasted. Yes, and we I, I, that. I, they need they need They have a void to fill there without Brandon Marshall. We don't know what Eric Decker's status is, and beyond that, it's just like these fast little young guys who haven't developed yet, and I think Chris Godwin can come You better in. mention Quincy Newton real quick. Real Quincy, Quincy Newton is <laughs> there, right. I'm sorry. I know I know he's there. It's got not you. like I this don't is, know who he is. This is what got you in trouble last time, bro. I'm just trying to help. But I think Godwin's skill set fits well with what the, the, the hole that the Jets need to fill there at that position. So that's okay. my take. All right, well. And I'm sticking to it. That would hurt. To see. I know. I mean, no, nobody wants to go to the Jets. No, they're terrible. The Sorry, Jets fans. All right. So I'm going to tell you. Who you got? Here's where I sent him to. I'm excited. The Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh! Your Steelers. Shut it down! So here's why I think this is a perfect fit, beyond the fact that it would just be awesome to see Godwin in a highly effective offense. We talked and, uh, about And one of those Bumblebee uniforms. Sure. Yeah. Uh, the Steelers brought Chris Godwin in for a pre-draft visit. Um, I think that they might consider him at their first-round pick. I think they will definitely go wide receiver or a pass-catching tight end somewhere in the first few rounds because, look, we talked about Martavis Bryant a few episodes ago and his inevitable reinstatement or whatever, or yeah. imminent reinstatement. Yeah. That still hasn't even happened yet. Yeah. Um, and even if it does happen, I think they will be excited, just like we are, to bring Martavis Bryant back in the fold. Um, but nevertheless, you just can't count on these players after they've been because the next one would be an even greater suspension or, or what have you. You know, if if he slips up again, yeah, getting a Josh Gordon status. Yeah, he's out of strikes. Yeah, so you need to still invest in a young wide receiver. They can just use more bodies because after Antonio Brown, if Martavis Bryant doesn't come back, they have Eli Rogers and then a bunch of jokers. Um, so I think you get Chris Godwin in there. He'd be a great fit on the outside as their X receiver while Brown moves around the formation. Yep. Uh, and he could win contested catches down the field. His reception perception showed that with an 85.7% conversion rate on contested catches, the highest over the last two years. But he can also separate and run routes really well. I think he would slide into that Bryant role while he's not the same high-end athlete. He would get those same high degree of difficulty targets and also targets where he can make plays in the open field as a big body so would love that fit there awesome i'm into it as a steelers fan let's go all right <laughs> well uh, let's let's rattle on to wide receiver uh four for me and that's mark uh that is mike williams out of clemson i gave him to the arizona cardinals um you know they pick 13th overall i kind of expect williams to be the first receiver off the board because of ross's injury concerns and uh, Corey davis's lack of a workout at this point yeah you know whether i agree with that take or not is is not the point but the cardinals pick 13th overall i think they need a replacement for larry fitzgerald right. next year right um fitzgerald has played mostly a big slot role the last few years and i think williams could actually be kind of interesting in that role if he doesn't necessarily show the separation ability to win outside but 
regardless, I think they would he would give them kind of what they were hoping to have in Michael Floyd and a big wide receiver who can win contested catches and has strong ball skills. Um, and if they do decide to kind of use him as more of a Larry Fitzgerald replacement, then he could be a player that wins on slant routes. And he has a really strong success rate versus coverage on slant routes and reception perception. Um, and again, that contested catchability is certainly there. Um, he would give them kind of, you know, a, a future top receiver while also they, having some smaller guys like John Brown and J.J. Nelson as their card, the Cardinals offense prepares for life without Fitzgerald and eventually Carson Palmer. There you go. All right. So who did you give him to? That makes a lot of sense. I gave him to the Baltimore Ravens for a lot of the same reasons you gave Corey, Corey Davis to the Ravens. They, like you said, they're uh, without Steve Smith and Kamar Aiken now. I think they need a big body um, who can have a presence on the field and sort of draw attention from defenders. And I know you comped Williams to Alshon Jeffrey in your reception perception right up on him. So that's kind of giving him high praise as that kind of huge body who can just dominate physically and in the red zone. And I think Joe Flacco needs a guy like that who you can throw to in the red zone because uh, did he have? A, I think he had the most pass attempts last year. He was he was, at, he was like top five. He at threw least. the ball like, a ton. Yeah, the, the Ravens don't run the ball, so if they're not going to run the ball in the red zone, they need big targets. And you know, Mike Wallace is kind of a kind of a big presence there. But I I kind of like uh, um, this would I be like, a big upgrade there. I like Mike Williams there. They yeah. I think they just need a big dude, and they don't have that right now. Yeah, I, I I agree with that. That's a that's a good take. I mean, they just they just need more bodies in the wide receiver yeah. game. Yeah. Um. So my number five ranked receiver, Carlos Henderson, out of Louisiana Tech. I'm a big fan. A, a lot of people know that by now. Smashed reception perception, above average, a 78% conversion rate against man coverage, the highest success rate versus zone and press coverage I've charted over the last two years, really showing that. Low level of competition be damned. He dominated in his assignment. Um, And his best asset, though, is breaking tackles after the catch. He broke multiple tackles on 39% of his in-space attempts, which I chart as plays where a receiver runs a route into the open field, catches the pass, and then has an opportunity to break a tackle. 39% is the highest score over the last two years. The second-place score is Corey Davis with 22%. So that just shows you what a wildly great player he is in the open field um wow and i think a great place where he could be used is carolina again so carolina needs to develop a receiver to eventually be one of their top two guys because i don't think it's going to be devin funchess in that role no um henderson could while he learns the wide receiver position at the nfl level kind of refines that route running which we already know he has great separation ability but again just tighten some things up to get to more of a pro level, he can be a player that they line up in the slot, let him go vertical, let him do some of the things that they liked Ted Ginn to do after the catch. Um, I think that's a great fit for them. And again, eventually up develop into a future starting receiver. And, you know, we know Cam Newton loves to rifle passes down the field and, you know, I think the Panthers have overcorrected on that on that and gotten these two big behemoth receivers who can't separate. Henderson can't. Henderson can separate, but he can also win contested catches with the seventy six conversion rate, seventy six percent conversion rate in uh, reception perception. So I like that both for an immediate impact and a developmental perspective. Cool, I'm into it. So where did you go with Carlos Henderson? And I don't g- break my heart with this one like you did with Chris Godwin. Well, I gave Carlos Henderson to the Chicago Bears. Uh, because, look, they, they added Marcus Wheaton, they have Kevin White, they got Cameron Meredith, who I know you like. Looks like Kendall Wright is there now. They still have Eddie Royal. Like, are any of these guys inspiring? 
Is, no. is sending one of my favorite receiver prospects to the Bears inspiring? No. They need help at the position. That's that's what my point is. They need an upgrade. I think I think a guy like Henderson could come in and be their number one wide receiver over all these veterans. Hmm. I think, well, it's certainly a position where they need some help. Yeah. Um, he would probably, I think, it, again, definitely maybe a player that can help out Mike Glennon uh, <laughs> by just being an open field threat. Sad. This is sad. I'm I'm sorry to offend you about your favorite prospects here, but I just think I I mean they they feel got like nothing there, man. Feel like it's personal. They, it's not personal. Are you mad at me? It's not personal. I'm just trying to help out teams did, who have crappy wide receiving course. Did you do? Did I do something? No. Did I do something wrong? You didn't do anything wrong. Okay. You're you're cool. You're cool. All right. Well, we'll try to move past this by yeah, getting let's, into let's move on. getting into our tight ends and. Number one on the board for the hipsters was O.J. Howard. Uh, so definitely not even really a hipster take there because um, O.J. Howard's good. So speaking of being good and where he can help someone by being good, I gave O.J. Howard to the Buffalo Bills, who nice. you sent Corey Davis to and because they need help with pass catchers, not just in the wide receiver core. But I, I don't think a receiver is going to go as high as 10th overall there to Buffalo. I don't, I don't think they will look to draft a receiver there, but I think they could look to draft O.J. Howard if he's there because he's one of the safest first-round picks to me this year. Um, not only is he going to be an asset as a secondary wide or secondary receiving threat for Tyrod Taylor, he could be in hel- a help in the blocking game because O.J. Howard is one of the best blocking tight ends to come out of the draft over the last few years. And we know that Buffalo wants to run the ball with LaShawn McCoy and yet another defensive-minded head coach uh, on the organizational staff right now. So to me, O.J. Howard would fit in really well and become not only their number two pass-catching option, but also uh, help them out by being a blocker in the run game. Cool. I sent him to the New York Giants because they need – they need help at the tight end position, too. They got Will Ty there, who, you know, he had an up-and-down season last year but didn't make much of an impact as a pass catcher. And, yeah, they added Brandon Marshall to the receiving core, so they have another big body there. They got Odell Beckham and Sterling Shepard, so maybe he'll be battling for targets. But I think I think Eli Manning, I think he could really open up that offense. They're a pass-first offense. We know they've had trouble with the running backs in the past. Like, who? what's Paul Perkins going to do? We don't really know. Um, so I think they're going to con- continue to be a pass-first offense, especially with all that talent in the receiving core. And I think Howard can really make an impact uh, in the red zone and, uh, you know, in those low-percentage throws where, you know, they need a conversion on a third down and, and stuff like that. So I think he fits with the Giants just because they're in such a big need at the tight end position. All right, number two on our tight end board is David Njoku out of University of Miami. And both of us actually have him staying in the state of Florida with our teams, but going to different teams. Right. Franchise, where did you send David Njoku? I sent him to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And we mentioned earlier when we were talking about the running backs that they need a tight end. That's like the only other skill position where they're lacking. Um, And, you know, we mentioned they have Allen Robinson there. Maybe they draft Leonard Fournette. Maybe they draft a big tight end. And I think... Njoku could really help Blake Bortles out. Like we said, he needs help in the red zone. He needs help all around. And just having a big target, like a guy like Njoku, could really help out that offense 
all around. That's, I mean, that's my take. Yeah, I mean, they don't have anybody there at the tight end position. I mean, yeah, nobody. Uh, you know, uh, after Julius Thomas was traded in the, to Miami, in the Brandon right? Albert move. Yeah, correct. Right, right, so right. I like I like that call a lot. That was actually a team I almost gave them to gave gave David and Joku to, but I decided to go with a different Florida team in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Okay. Um, I think Josh Norris even mock drafted this pick uh, in his latest mock draft um, and got some pushback from Tampa Bay fans because. You know, Cameron Braid, who I really like. We talked about him a lot in the preseason. I remember tweeting out that picture of you watching game film of him and being like, the face when you realize Cameron Braid is actually good. And yeah, that was, that was back good in, hands. That was back in the preseason. And, and, he, and he had a good amount of touchdowns last year. He was definitely an asset in the red zone. But look, Tampa Bay, even though they added Deshaun Jackson, yep. they still need so much help in the receiving game. And, yep. you know, Cameron Braid's a good player, but, you know, goofballs like Luke Stocker, and uh, Brandon Myers were taking more snaps than him in certain games because I think Brait is a nice move tight end, but he's not necessarily a complete tight end. David Njoku, not even 21 years old yet. He will not turn 21 until July this year. Nice. He's got a ton of upside, and he's super physically gifted. I think even if he doesn't start in year one, you know, maybe he can sit behind Brait as the number two tight end and be an occasional playmaker and eventually grow into a real seam ripper there for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I think that would be a fantastic fit for, for him, for sure. I like it. They kind of messed around with the idea of having two tight ends last year with Austin Safari and Jenkins, who eventually moved on. Uh, that, that made the, it, you make it sound like it was like his choice. Well, yeah. <laughs> they cut him. <laughs> they, they cut him, and right. he went to the Jets. but And did nothing. Right, and then bad. that's how Braid emerged. But they kind of messed around. They had a competition going, basically, between him and Braid. Yeah, I think it would be a good, it would be a nice thing for them to have. Yeah. You know, maybe some two tight end sets there. More reliable. Yeah. Yeah. I'm down. I, I like that pick, too. Speaking of the opposite of unreliable, Kobe Fleener's still the tight end in uh, in New Orleans. God dang it. I think that's it's time for that to change. Let's and change it. Change that's it. why I gave my number three tight end, Evan Ingram, to the New Orleans Saints. There you go. This could be a pick that perhaps they make at uh, 32nd overall. There, with the pick that they currently own from the Patriots, um, or maybe even in the second round, because uh, they do pick high in the second, the tenth pick in the second round. There, I, again, Kobe Fleener's bad. They're kind of pot committed to keeping him on the roster because they gave him too much money last year. But Evan Ingram, I think it would be awesome to see him kind of move around. You know, everybody talked about Mike Thomas being the big slot receiver replacing Marcus Colston last year. That didn't happen. No. Mike Thomas was straight up an outside number one threat, and I think he will remain there. I think that Willie Sneed's a good slot receiver, but it would be really exciting to see Sneed kind of move to the flanker role. They have um, Thomas as the X receiver, and then Ingram could be that kind of hybrid tight end big slot role. I mean, they had Jimmy Graham as a quote-unquote tight end, but really he was always just a big move guy. And I think that Evan Ingram could slot right in there and talk about for for dynasty fantasy football like – I think Ingram would be the first tight end off the board if he went to the Saints. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, that's a great landing spot for production. It's a great scheme fit, so I realize it's perfect, but where did you decide to send uh, Ingram? I sent him to the saddest team in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, we went from one we went from one end of the spectrum of like here he goes to an offense with a creative coach and you know this this coach that you picked is is creative too but certainly doesn't have the toys to play with in the right. in the cupboard. Um but you're giving him one here. Uh so I sent him to the Cleveland Browns. Okay. 
So look, Gary Barnage is there. He's old. We saw him blow up a couple years ago. I don't know if we're ever going to see that again. I think that was an outlier for Gary Barnage. Uh, Brock Osweiler is the starting quarterback in Cleveland. Oh, I'm half no. I'm half kidding, but I'm half not kidding. He, they did say he will compete. I know, and That's, I think they'll stop saying that after they draft the quarterback right. this year. But they do have Cody Kessler, who you know gets some flack, but he was good as a rookie. He did okay. But we know Brock Osweiler loves his tight end. He hooked up C.J. Fedorowicz last year. Oh, no doubt about it. Oh yeah. No, I'm not because, project, not because. predicting that Brock is going to be their quarterback, but I think that's a great narrative to ride because yeah. really the only reason that those that CJ Fedorowicz like broke out last year is because Brock Osweiler couldn't throw the ball down the field or outside the numbers, <laughs> right? And so he just rifled pa- contested hey. passes to CJ Fedorowicz in the middle of the field. He's a perfect fit there. <sighs> what a stupid offense um, the Texans were last year. And as you, I know. And as you mentioned, Hugh Jackson is the coach there. We saw Tyler Eifert emerge in Cincinnati under Hugh Jackson as an elite fantasy tight end. And I think Ingram can just kind of slot in here, take over Gary Barnage's job. Um, you know, they got Corey Coleman. They have Kenny Britt. Uh, but I think they need another big guy, third pass catcher there to open up stuff down the seam. We'll see what happens. But I like him with the Browns. All right. No, it's it's cool. So you and it's I, cool. It's, it's cool. cool. Whatever. Is it? Is it? Not really, but okay. whatever. It's cool. It's fine. This right. is fine. Um, so speaking of someone that's fine, I'm killing it with the transition game and our perfect prospect parents. I love it. Bucky Hodges. He's fine at playing football. Yeah. And actually better than fine. Ooh. All right. Now the what's better than fine? Awesome. Okay. All right. He's awesome at playing football, in my opinion. Really good uh, contested catchers, year especially. We both send him to the same team here. I know. So Dallas Cowboys. They they don't have a guy like this. This what? guy's unique. Right. They have Des Bryant as a guy they can win outside the numbers and down the field, but it would be great to see them get a successor to Jason Witten. Yeah, and I think who they extended until, you know, he's dead, basically. Yeah, I know. He's just a he's just a dad out there running around. Right. So this this they get a freak athlete. We talked about Bucky Hodges in episode the second uh, part of our fantasy hipsters big board episode. Right. right. Um so we like Bucky Hodges as a potential move tight end, but can eventually develop in line. This could be a situation where they play him even a little bit outside in his first year, just to get him get his ball skills on the field over Terrence Williams. Um, they can have you know him play some slot receiver with Cole Beasley there, and eventually, like we said, develop. You know, I think they kind of tried to do this similar sort of thing when they drafted Gavin Escobar a few years ago. Yes, but. Bucky Hodges is actually good. Right. Uh, so I think that would be a great fit for them as they continue to develop an, a passing offense now after they've um, de- they've really got a dominant run offense. Yeah, and we saw uh, Jason Witten kind of had a, a, a good relationship with Dak Prescott back there as a rookie. And I think Dak Prescott is a very different quarterback than what we're used to seeing with Tony Romo. And I think he might... His chemistry with Dez is kind of questionable. Like mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. He's he's not just gonna like tunnel vision to Dez the way yeah, Romo did, which I think can be a good thing. Um, yeah, it can be. You know, because what, I think what we sh- saw from Dak Prescott after uh, even when Dez Bryant was on the field, but especially when Dez was hurt, like he has no problem just finding the Open best guy. matchup. Yeah, finding exactly. The, and I think Bucky Hodges could help them create some really great matchup problems. So, so many mismatches for sure, especially like by year. 2019, maybe even 2018, we could be talking about Bucky Hodges as one of the best sleeper tight ends in the NFL. I'm into it. I'm glad we agreed on that. That was cool. 
Yeah, for sure. So speaking of sleeper tight ends, our, our, our number five tight end, Johnu Smith from Florida International, definitely a big athletic sleeper. We both I gave him to the Jacksonville Jaguars, who you sent uh, David and Joku to earlier, and right. I pretty much same reasons here. Yeah. Like, I don't think they're going to spend a premium. I mean, they 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 should maybe because their depth chart is bad, but I think they might not spend necessarily a premium pick like it would take to get a David and Joku on a tight end. But I could see them going for a a really strong sleeper in the third or fourth round, and I think Johnu Smith. Um, could be that guy as they because eventually they're going to have to make contract decisions on you know guys like Allen Robinson, Marquise Lee. They already gave an extension to Allen Hearns. Um, one of those three guys is probably not going to be there by you know year again twenty nineteen or something, and that could be the and I would think it's probably going to just by numbers game end up being Marquise Lee. So they could just have him. That's not that I'm not, I'm not being mean to Marquise Lee, who I've been mean to before. But uh, I just think by pure numbers games, that's going to be the one that uh, ends up taking the fall, just because they're not going to not extend Allen Robinson. So right. I think Johnny Smith by then could step in and be one of the top three pass catchers on the team. I like it. I sent him to a team that really needs a tight end in the Denver Broncos. Um, the their their top tight end right now is Virgil Green, so they need a pass catching tight end there. They got Damaris Thomas, they got Emmanuel Sanders, but I think a, a, a big tight end for short yardage passes can really help a guy out like Trevor Simeon or Paxton Lynch who's still developing at, at the NFL level. And I think he uh, Smith can provide kind of a safety blanket there in that offense. Um, so that's why I chose the Denver Broncos. I dig it. All right, so last section here, and let's let's try to go a little rapid fire on yeah, this let's, one. Let's let's, let's just two sentences or less spit out a reason why we're going to send our hipster favorites, and that's my three just sleeper wide receivers that I like that didn't fit in my top five, but three guys I like, and same for running backs with you. Let's do it. Um, just spit out why we like them. Starting off with Isaiah Ford, we just talked about the Dallas Cowboys, and that's where you sent Ford too. Yeah, I don't uh, I don't know about Terrence Williams, man. Uh, me neither. But they did resign him. They did resign him, but whatever. I think Isaiah Ford is the kind of guy who can come in here and compete. I think he can p- compete for that job, that Terrence Williams role. I, and I agree with you because I think he's a really good, refined route runner and can fit best in a kind of timing-based passing game. And that's why I sent him to the Oakland Raiders, who for a lot of these same reasons were able to revive Michael Crabtree's career. Right. Um, both guys are reception-perception favorites. I think he would replace... Um, they lost Andre Holmes. They also have Seth Roberts there continuing to eat up targets. So I think he would be a nice fit there as their number three receiver right away. Cool. Moving down on the list, we have Taewon Taylor, a favorite of many. Um, and I'm going to make those people really happy by sending him to the Green Bay Packers. Boom. Look, they need speed. They don't have – Jordy Nelson is starting to slow down. Uh, Devontae Adams is more of a contested catch threat. Randall Cobb's never been a downfield guy. This gives them a player to develop behind some of those players, maybe take Jordy Nelson's spot in a few years. But in the meantime, give him a, give him a vertical threat. There you go. I sent him to the San Diego Chargers. We don't know Keenan Allen's durability is a question mark coming into the season. He's been hurt at this point two years in a row now. Uh, They have Travis Benjamin there. They have your boy Tyrell Williams. They still have Dontrell Inman. But I just think they need a... They need another guy there, like like Taylor in the wide receiving core to compete with some of these guys because I don't... I feel like Dontrell Inman isn't a a start... Like, he's he's a wide receiver three in the NFL, but I feel like there's other guys that could can beat him out for that job and I just think Taylor would fit there with between the skill sets of Benjamin Allen and Williams 
and I just like him with the Chargers. I like it. You know, Benjamin had some injury problems there in his first year. He has a big contract. He could maybe eventually take Travis Benjamin's job. Yeah, there you go. Um, so Ryan Switzer next. And I had some trouble finding a fit for him that I really would like because I mentioned he's an easy player who could just come in and catch 60, 70 passes in a couple of years. And this landing spot might sound gross at first because we don't know who the quarterback is, but I sent him to the Houston Texans. I expect the Texans to draft a quarterback in the first two rounds, and eventually next season that player will be their starter. Switzer is kind of the just the, the consummate guy that can really help a young quarterback because of his great route running in the short to intermediate areas. And we were joking about Brock Osweiler not being able to throw the ball down the field, and that's why uh, C.J. Fedoritz had all those targets. But the, it's kind of a problem because Nuke and Will Fuller both are high degree of difficulty, low percentage pass wide receivers because Nuke gets a lot of contested catches, whereas Will Fuller is a downfield threat. Switzer gives them an option uh, in the short to intermediate game for a quarterback to just dump the ball off to get some easy yards. Right, and maybe can do something after the catch, unlike CJ Fedorowitz. No doubt. So <laughs> where did you send Ryan Switzer? Uh, I sent him to the sad Chicago Bears for much of the same reasons I sent. Who did I send there? Carlos like, Henderson. Carlos Henderson. They, I just feel like they need wide receivers, and Switzer can provide that that slot guy for a guy like Mike Glennon to just kind of fall back on in, in the short to intermediate routes, and uh, yeah, that's it. Well, I mean, Ryan Switzer would definitely beat out our boy uh, Ari Ingles' favorite, uh, Kendall Wright, in training camp, which would maybe get Ari off my back about Kendall Wright. But anyways, <laughs> so I guess I'm into that. So <laughs> a player you're into here, one of your favorite running backs in the draft, Jamal uh, Williams. I love Jamal Williams. Tell dude. me where you sent him if you love him so much. First of all, uh, Matt Waldman did an awesome RSP film room with Jamal Williams as his guest breaking down film. And Tyler Dunn from Bleacher Report wrote an amazing profile on Jamal Williams' sort of collegiate career path, and it's just enthralling. It's super long, but it's worth the read, so check that out on Bleacher Report. I sent him to the New York Jets because he's already been comp to Matt Forte because of his kind of finesse slash power uh, physical running style. Uh, he can catch the ball. Uh, he's, he's, he's tough. He's got great balance. And I think he can do Matt Forte and Bilal Powell's jobs combined. And Matt Forte's running out of time. No so doubt. Let's, let's face it. Another one of your favorites in this draft, Jeremy McNichols. Um, a favorite of a lot of different people. Yeah, he's kind of polarizing. Some people don't think he can be a starting running back in the NFL. Um, but I sent him to the New Orleans Saints because they're talking about they need like a pass-catching type of guy behind Mark Ingram there. There's mm -hmm. rumors of maybe... Why why haven't they brought Jamal Charles in for a meeting? They need a guy like that to back up Mark Ingram. But I think Jeremy McNichols can fill that role. Maybe Ingram can groom him a little bit. And then when Ingram runs out of time, because he's getting older too, I think right. he's 27, uh, Jam uh, Jeremy McNichols can kind of slide in there as the Saints' three-down guy so they don't have to have a committee the way they did with like Darren Sproles in the past and stuff like that, I think he can be a three-down guy there in New Orleans, and it's a high-powered offense. I think he'd fit it. Well, a lot of people say that you know he, as a prospect, not as the best current best running back in the NFL, you know, compares to David Johnson, you know, because of his receiving skills, but also just needs some more seasoning as a runner. That would right. be quite a finishing yeah. piece for the Saints' offense there for sure. if he did go along that development path, which you know may or may not happen. But my landing spot doesn't sound as sexy, but let me tell you why I like him on the San Francisco 49ers. Sure. You know, we talked about last episode, are they giving up on Carlos Hyde? This allows them to not necessarily spend a high-priority pick, but get somebody that does have that upside to maybe be a starter down the line. And in the meantime, look at what Kyle Shanahan 
Callahan did with Tevin Coleman last year. Oh, yeah. And I think that McNichols could fit into a very similar role with Kyle Shanahan. And if you're a dynasty drafter, like I would bet people like, oh, gross, he went to the 49ers. But that creativity of Kyle Shanahan could really help a player like uh, like uh, Jeremy McNichols and therefore make him a draft day value come dynasty rookie draft. I really like that comp to the Tevin Coleman-Shanahan thing. And on a similar vein, I decided to give another one of the guys you like, Aaron Jones, to the Los Angeles Chargers. Gelhar and I were actually just talking about this walking down the uh, walking down to the Gulp on Friday night. Yes, we did go there Friday and Saturday night. Shout out to the Gulp. <laughs> uh, anyways, um, you know we were talking about a lot of. So I think Adam Rank, our, our our friend from NFL Network, said that they would be a fit for Christian McCaffrey. For the reason to replace Danny Woodhead, I think that McCaffrey's not going to go there. I don't think they'll spend that high priority of a pick on um, on a uh, on a running back. But maybe Mc, or maybe uh, maybe Aaron Jones could be that player to come in and play some passing game work while developing as a running back, and uh, you know could could spell Melvin Gordon a little bit and give them that explosive pass game threat that Danny Woodhead once was. Did you watch his tape? I watched a little bit, sure. Okay. <laughs> I watched I watched some of those clips. I, it's very exciting. I was right. freaking out about his tape last week and there's you only were. a couple clips on on draft breakdown, but yeah, I mean he had he had 28 receptions in 2016, so he's definitely a a pass catching type. He's got good. Yeah, pass he's, he's a good. He's a good receiver. You can see that uh, on the game film. So tell me where you sent him. I'm sending him to the Kansas City Chefs. Oh, the Chefs. The Chefs. Uh, you know, they, Jamal Charles is out of there. They got Spencer Ware there, but there's they need to draft a running back, and I think Aaron Jones is going to be a good late-round sleeper-type guy who I think can fit in that offense. He can run. He, you know, he's tough. He stays on his feet. He can catch the ball. Uh, he can handle a big workload. He had 229 carries in his senior year, or his, well, 2016. It says his junior year. Maybe he got redshirted. Uh but last year he had 229 carries, so I think he can sl- he can fit in that uh, Kansas City offense, and uh, I just like him as a late round sleeper, especially in dynasty formats. When you're really just, I mean, he's basically like for your, your purposes here, he's like the good version of what they have in Sharkandrick West already. Yeah, yeah, I like. I think it. he's a little tougher than Sharkandrick. Oh West. yeah, that's what I'm saying, the good version, right? Right. But sort of stylistically, a you know a running back that can do that while they have Spencer Ware as the the hammer back. Agreed. Yes. Cool. Well, I like it. All right. So there there you have it. Perfect prospect pairings. These are in fact perfect. Uh, so <laughs> do not debate them. Do not uh, do not do not argue with them in any way because they are perfect. All these landing spots are 100 perfect. Um, we are going to take a break. Uh, and on the other side, we're going to come back at you with our music and beer choices of the week. So see you on the other side. Later. All right, everybody, we want to remind you about the sponsor of today's show. It's the Duchamp's Grooming Company. Their vintage-inspired, handmade grooming products for the modern-day man are incredible. They have a fantastic beard oil and beard balm to get your facial hair looking just right. They also have a hair wax to make you look stylish as, as all get out, or even a little bit of lip balm there that's scented very nice. Now, for the ladies out there, if you still want to grab some products from them, which we encourage you to do so, they have plenty of kits to get your loved ones a present. All these handmade products are awesome. I use them every day. I have them in my pocket right now. They even have a signature scent. Um, you can find all this stuff at the online shop at www.com. D-U-C-H-A-M-P-S 
G-R-O-O-M-I-N-G dot C-O. That's DoChampsGrooming.co. They have an online shop and follow them on Instagram, DoChampsGroomingCo, and on Twitter, at DoChampsGroomCo. Find them, follow them, retweet them, and buy their stuff. All right. Let's get back to the show. All right. All right, we're back uh, with our music and beer picks of the week. But before we get to that franchise, why don't you remind our good listeners of the sponsor of this segment? Of course, it's uh, Flag and Anthem. It's a men's clothing line. You can check out their shop at flagandanthem.com. They make subtle, smart, well-made style for the kind of guy who values hard work but also knows how to unwind and have a good time. They make clothing for guys who are too busy enjoying life to obsess about microtrends, like me and Harmon here. Mm. They make classics that are always cool, and we are rewarding you guys, our listeners, with a 25% off promo code for your first order. Just enter the shop, throw some stuff in the cart, uh, enter promo code FANTASYHIPSTERS, one word upon checkout on your first order. You get that 25% off, and they need help on their socials. Uh, so follow the flag and anthem on Instagram and Twitter at flag and anthem co. They also do random sales on their social networks, so keep an eye out for those. Make sure you're following them and use that promo code. I love it. Yeah, we got a flag and anthem shirt on right now, and uh, we're getting some more soon because our stuff rocks, and that discount is sweet. Correct. But speaking of something sweet, I'm just, I'm transitions everywhere today. I'm so professional. You're, you're doing good with this. Hashtag professional over here. Um, anyways. Why don't you tell us about your music pick of the week? All right, I'm going to be honest with you guys. All right. Got got a little lazy this week. Wow. I have an artist to talk about. I thought this podcast meant something to you. It does. Doesn't seem like it. This week, football was more important than music, okay? Wow. stick. I love it. You're sticking to football. Good sticking stuff. to football. Anyway, this artist, he is a soul R&B hip-hop artist called uh, BJ the Chicago Kid. Obviously, he's from Chicago. Uh, born to church choir directors on the south side of Chicago. His real name's Brian Sledge. Uh, he relocated to Los Angeles at the age of 19. He became a backup singer for contemporary gospel stars Mary Mary. Over the next several years, he appeared as a vocalist on Stevie Wonder's A Time to Love and wrote material for a mix of R&B gospel artists. Uh, and he made major strides as a solo artist starting in 2012. Now, he just put an album out on Spotify... It is called In My Mind, and uh, the Chance the Rapper's on it. His his sound, if you listen to the Chance the Rapper album, which was nominated for Grammys, BJ's The Chicago Kid has the same kind of vibe, but it's, I guess it's like less hip-hop, more R&B soul stylings. Um, but there's some really good tracks on this album. Chance the Rapper's on it. Kendrick Lamar's on it. Uh, there's some other cool guests. It's a 15-track album. I'll throw some of BJ the Chicago Kids songs on the Fantasy Hipster Spotify playlist so you can check those out after you listen to the podcast and uh, tell let me know what you think on Twitter. So it's BJ the Chicago Kid. Cool. All right. I dig it. I'll, I'll definitely be doing some listening to that. Uh, your playlist is, is coming along great. I love it. Um, I listen to it pretty frequently while I'm here charting receivers uh, in the old reception perception headquarters. But awesome. We'll get to my we'll get to my beer pick here. And this one's this one's a back home beer for me. Back home beer. Because listen, shout out to my mom. She's getting married on Saturday. Whoa! Congrats. Pretty, pretty huge stuff. That's Con- awesome. Uh, congrats to congrats to Bev Harmon, my mother. Uh, so she's getting married uh, on Saturday. Um, 
it's going to be just a private thing with her and with her and her new man. So, uh, I, but she, we are going to be, uh, having a big celebration over the summer and I just booked my ticket back home, uh, earlier. I'm going to be back there in June, cool. um, for a few weeks and mostly to be there for the big celebration of this. And so I figured why not stay in the spirit of Virginia? So I'm going to go with Devil's Backbone Vienna Lager. This beer is great. It's avail- It's like when you go out to any sort of like kind of mainstream place in Virginia, especially like the, the central Virginia area, that's like the good beer that they that they have like there, you know, and it's like, oh, yeah, I'll have a Vienna Lager. Nice. Uh, so it's got good amber color, 5.2 ABV, really good, like just easy drinkable. Like, you know, if you want to have want to have a good amount of beers, yeah. like maybe like we want to be pushing like five or something. Yeah. But you, you don't want to be just drinking a bunch of heavy stuff. Vienna Lager is a good, easy-to-go-down beer. So, it like I said, brewed out of Virginia there um, in right around where I'm from, right around really where I went to college. Uh, so uh, just one of my classic favorites. I think my favorite uh, Vienna Lager story was like it was my senior year of college back when I thought I was going to like go into like PhD work with social theory of what I was doing. And I was – Lol. Mm. Yeah, well, listen, could have happened, but some this, this football thing happened yeah, yeah. instead. Uh, so, and I was giving a presentation. Um, I was pre- doing like a presentation on my thesis for, in part um, at a big, you know, kind of like a smaller on-campus conference with a bunch of professors. And afterwards, they had like a reception, and uh, they had Devil's Backbone there. And I was like, Am I really about to just start slamming beers back with my profs? And that's exactly what happened. Awesome. So had a lot of uh, Devil's Backbone or Vienna Lager there from Devil's Backbone. Looking forward to having some uh, back in June when I'm there uh, as well. Maybe I'll maybe I'll grab a few and, and bring them back here for us to for us to drink while we're uh, while we're out here on the West Coast. I would like that. Perfect. Well, that is it for today's episode. Uh, we will have our mail ba- or our. By the way, we're going to rebrand the mailbag episode. It's the mail satchel episode. The mail satchel. Sounds a little more hipster. You yeah, know, yeah. You know what I'm saying? For sure. So we'll be back with our mail satchel special episode on Friday. Right. So be t- tuned in for that. Um, so we want to thank all of our sponsors for today's show. We want to thank uh, Ty Miller and Oakstone Ashes for our kick-ass instrumental music intro that people are just still tweeting us about how much they like it. Yeah. So... Franchise, you got any parting thoughts before we bounce? Mm, I don't think so. I mean, you know, check out our work, receptionperception.com. I'm doing a few profiles for Dynasty League football. You know, you guys know where to find us. Send us mm-hmm. questions at fantasyhipsters at gmail. We also started a Twitter handle, at fantasyhipsters. Which, by the way, I'm never going to follow. Why not? I'm just never going to follow it. Is this a bit of yours now? Mm, it's kind of a bit, and just I always <laughs> say that, like, I'm not going to like I never follow other people's podcast handles because uh, what's the point? Like I know, yeah, I subscribe to your podcast on iTunes if I like it. I don't need to. I don't need to have your Twitter handle tweeting at me about it. All right. Well, I'm excited about it, and our listeners should go follow it. And you no, guys, you guys should all follow. Yeah, it. I'm just not going to follow uh, it. That's fine. Yeah. So you guys can send us questions there now instead of just the email, but we'll still accept questions at the fantasyhipsters at Gmail. Download, subscribe, rate, and review. Cool. All hipsters. right. Well, hipsters out. Hipsters out. Hey everyone, welcome to the ninth episode of the Fantasy Hipsters Podcast. You're listening to Matt Franchise and Matt Harmon. What's going on, Matt? 
Oh, not much. Just sitting here eating some uh, zero sugar, uh, a lot of f uh, protein-packed uh, cereal, dry, out of a teacup. Sounds better than corn pop. Corn pops. Can you hear me chewing? Yeah. Oh, it's like that sounder on the ATN pod when they do the sandwich bets. I hate it. <laughs> I hate that sounder. It makes me so uncomfortable in my headphones. Why does it make people so uncomfortable? I don't get it. It just makes me feel weird. I don't know. It also makes me hungry, so there's that. That so Plus, so what sandwich have you ever bitten into that crunches? I don't know. I guess if you had a sandwich with bacon on it. Or toast or lettuce. Toasted? Fine. Yeah, that was a pretty bad take. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.